Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and continue to talk about fantasy. I'm the son in that equation, Zach. And I continue to be the father. Ooh, good. (laughs) It would be very weird if just one day you just weren't. Yeah, so I'm Jim. I'm still the dad. Nothing's changing there, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) How you doing? I'm doing great. It's a holiday weekend here in the U.S., which means I also have Monday off, which means we're actually going to record more podcasts on Monday. We got a lot of recording this weekend. Absolutely. And we are putting a few of these in the bank. So as you listen to some of these recordings, they will have been recorded. You know, if you're following us live or, you know, as we drop them, you're going to be hearing some that are like weeks old, which is rare for us. Yeah, we usually are maybe about a week out. Maybe a week and a half. But because Zach... You have a move coming. And even before that, we both have separate trips that are going to mess with our schedules. I've got a trip to a conference. You've got a trip to to a wedding in Alaska. We knew we were going to have some times where we can't record on a weekend like we wanted to. So in anticipation, we actually scheduled because we are committed to our Mm -hmm. fans. We're going to keep our recording drop schedule steady. Now, that being said, scheduling these recordings on an actual calendar is a habit that I think we should keep, especially as we're a little separate. It works best when you remember to look at it. Hey, I only, like, (laughs) thought it was at 2 because most of the recordings are going to be at 2 for now on. 20 minutes before today's first recording, I texted my son. Now, we're still in the same house, but... I'd only seen him come and make the coffee earlier, and I, I actually seen made him the since. whole pot for all you guys. I didn't. Well, yes, I don't I appreciate usually do that. that. But usually only because I hadn't coffee. got to it yet. But so I, I see him, and then he disappears back into his room and stuff. And I'm like, hmm, I should maybe make sure he's still on track. So I text him from the house here. So uh, we're going in 20 minutes. Yeah, I was fully planning on going in an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, so he got ready. I was more or less ready. I just had to get me ready. I will have to remember to do such reminders, even when you're in Texas, probably. (laughs) It wouldn't hurt. (laughs) It wouldn't hurt. I get distracted. Um, Uh, So I'm doing good today because it's a holiday weekend. It's pleasant. It's relaxing. And I have extra time with my family. Fantastic. How about you? We love you. No, thanks. How you doing? I'm hanging out, chilling out. Uh, We... Like you said, a lot of scheduling and a lot of recording. So we just finished an episode and we're chatting and uh, I'm really in the mood for more Wheel of Time because I've already been talking about Wheel of Time for an hour and a half already or yeah, so. Yeah, that's so good. Let's, let's keep going. We, but we have an even better episode ahead this time. I do have a question. Okay. What are we drinking? Because you went and made us the same thing. So I have no idea. And I am really happy with this drink. Look at it. Look at what it's holding. I made... The Dark One's Taint. Now, this is a wok tail that I made on my own. I have a ingredient mix here. I'm going to guess it based on drinking it. Okay, what do you think's in it, Zach? Pineapple juice? Yes. Don't keep them waiting too long. Sorry. Mm, some kind of booze? <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. He is just brilliant. <laughs> well, it vaguely tastes like there might be vodka in there somewhere, but I'm... Probably I'm fully off. That look, sounds. Look, we've got a nice guess. Looks over there. like it's probably accurate. Discord is guessing dark rum. Actually, not. Hmm. It has light rum, pineapple juice, and simple syrup, all mixed together, and then floated on top. I've got Southern Comfort. That's what it is. So the Southern Comfort is floated on top. I use the technical technique to make sure it stayed floated. So we have this dark 
taint on top of our yellowish boozy beverage. That being said, imagining that the male half of the power is just this yellowish foggy liquid isn't necessarily what I like to think of it as looking like, especially when we look at uh, the eye of the world or... Yeah, 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 yeah. But I had to remember chemistry, okay? So the pineapple mixture in the rum makes it thicker than the Southern Comfort floated on top. If I went with just a clear beverage, it would have blended too much. So I had to do the pineapple. Did you make this one? Like design it? Yeah. Oh, this is just your design. This is just mine. Oh. I've seen... I'll try not to be offended about... One of our friends in the Watt world suggested this one, uh, a similar name, but I made the ingredients. I came up with it. Is there a way that we could make it similarly, but without the... Like use something besides pineapple juice, something that's clear? Not that came to mind, probably, sure. I'm just curious because I think it would make out, oh, make the like look what I expect. What's selling it, it for me, though, great, is though. there's a clear taint over the top. And I think that comes through on the Instagram. I don't have that posted there yet, but by the time you're listening to this, trust me, it'll be there and you can go see it. I've also effectively just ruined my chances of uh, getting him to make me a drink for recording again because it's delicious. Because you all side I've done, seat bartended? All, all I've done is insult it, even though it's, it's great. Mm, that is good. Yum. So we've checked in with each other and we've talked about our Watt tale. Again, if you missed Patent the previous pending. episode... Zach has patented or attempted to patent this name for will a time themed cocktail is a what tail. You trademark a name, not patented. Okay, he trademarks it. Very good. TM. I'll try to put that in the show notes. <laughs> a little symbol. Yep. But let's get to some content. Yes, please. Let's wow, do it. Wow, this is really good. We don't have a whole lot of announcements today no, because we, we did them in the last in the episode, episode and it's yeah. the same day. I do want to just plot out so people know what's coming at them, though. We're going to cover chapters 44. 45 and 46 in this episode Mm -hmm. in our next wheel of time episode we will cover 47 48 and 49 Mm -hmm. which will be the following week from when you hear this one and then the following wheel of time episode will be just chapter 50 which is two pages yeah and then we'll be talking about the journey so far, the great hunt, and even dabbling into the eye of the world. And we have guests lined up to join us for we that. We do. Not going to tell you who yet, but we have some guests from out there in Wheel of Time fandom who are going to be part of that. It's going to be a great discussion. Mm-hmm. We've got three people who are going to jump in with us. We're really looking forward to that collaboration. Absolutely. But we are, I mean, here we go. Almost the end. And these three chapters are huge. Yes. So starting with chapter 44, five will ride forth. That is a significant title. It let's find out why. Meaning. It, it feels like it has meaning. Yes. Yes. Indeed. We, we, let's we don't find know out why, why right now. We will. Um, astute listeners slash readers do already know. They'll remember why this title has meaning. I believe it was mentioned, but like offhandedly. I think so. Much, sure. much This earlier. might be the first time it's referenced, but I think it was referenced earlier. I think the like the passage is spoken, right. but out of context. So we begin the chapter with a little scouting mission. Perrin, Matt, and Huron. They're off in one of the small towns of Toman Head. They've been doing the zigzag thing. One of many trips over the last few days, trying to find Fane's trail. The rest of the party is waiting out at a camp they'd settled well beyond sight of the town. I mean, they're not nearby. These three, they've confirmed the Shanshin had done their normal, horrible business in this town, burning the whole village council and their families alive. But that happened at least six months ago. It's been time. 
But Huron can tell Fane has been through this town. And not any Trollocs. Not with any dark friends. He was just alone. Granted, he can't technically smell that there weren't any dark friends. No. You can't smell dark friends. You can smell their violence. Right. But all he really can sniff is Fane by himself. That's all he can tell. So this is what they've been searching for. They finally have Fane's trail. And uh, as they prepare to leave the town, white cloaks show up. Great. Now they hadn't seen white cloaks here on Toman Head yet. This is the first appearance and ah you know we don't like white cloaks perrin in particular doesn't like white cloaks why would perrin want to avoid white cloaks zach well last time he really interacted with them he killed a couple so yeah and something about they uh wanting to take him in for questioning yeah execution sounded more like torture and execution yeah 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 yeah. so let's go we're gonna get out of here hopefully before we're noticed and as they're leaving town, he uses his wolf sense. We haven't heard this for a while, but he reaches out to the wolves and does find wolves in the region. Just to there are con- always wolves somewhere. You know, he's, he's trying to confirm they're not being followed. And good news, they're not. The white cloaks are not on their trail. So off they go out of the town. Now, one might ask, what were white cloaks doing in this town? Good question. So let's find out. The chapter shifts POV right at this point very conveniently to Ooh, the Lord. that's nice. Yeah, to the Lord Captain of the Children of the Light here on Toman Head, good old Jeffrem Bornhold. Good old Bornhold. Leading his men into town, he saw a parent. Yep. Now, he recognized, or at least thought he recognized. Now, this was off in the it's distance. It's been months. But he's like, that that figure, that, that looks, why do I remember? <gasps> that that blacksmith. I do want to go a, a second here just to be like, that's insane. It has been literally months, maybe even six months since he's seen that blacksmith. So you think RJ is reaching a little bit to write this into the book? A little bit, but I I would like to offer. Doesn't necessarily see and go, yeah, based on stature, but stature plus maybe like a flash of a very particular weapon that would be recognizable and remarkable. Mm. I think it's more than that. I think he remembers him because how often do you think people escape from the White Cloaks? Like, yeah, but it's not like he's close enough to see his face. Perrin, we haven't talked about this a lot, is a striking figure. Okay, Dad. He's well over six feet tall. I love you very much. He's a blacksmith body. But if I saw you from 200 feet away in a place that I wasn't expecting to see you, I wouldn't know it was you. I know that I need glasses. <laughs> but I'm saying, while wearing the glasses. <laughs> Discord, that's great. Jordo says, Perrin escaped in St. Louis and is now spotted in Portland. I mean, that's pretty that's accurate. Fair. <laughs> that's pretty and, accurate. And if that's what had happened, and it had been six months... I don't care how remarkable you are. If you are not, like, ridiculously... Okay, okay, let's agree. It's a bit of a stretch that he recognizes him. I might recognize you because that's super distinctive. (laughs) Maybe Perrin is that distinctive of a character. No, no, I refuse to believe he's Well, for whatever reason, canon is that he recognizes the boy. He's like, I know that guy. Now, he's not 100% sure that's who he's seeing, but... It's reminiscent of that guy who escaped us, who had killed some of our white cloaks, excuse me, children. And, uh, hmm, that's troubling. Now, shifting. Here's what Bornhold has been up to. Here's why they're here in the village. 
he left some of his men scattered out across Almuth Plain as they had been ordered. Yes, so that the questioners still think they're doing what they were Yeah, so just a few of them, but enough to be a presence. In secret, he has led 1,000 of his children here onto Toman Head to find out what's really going on. It's crazy to me, but fully accurate that someone could lead a thousand troops secretly a couple things come to mind there again there's chaos out here so there's not a lot of people living anywhere anymore that helps a little bit but also there are less people around remember the decline of the population over the last thousand years so they're able to but they have done some things also along the way to preserve their secrecy they have and it's nasty business but it's effective They've come ac- across a few Shanshen patrols, and the patrols are now no more. One of those was particularly nasty because they had a Soldam and Damane. So 50 of his children died before they could fill both those women with a whole bunch of arrows. Now, they don't know the term Soldam mm-hmm. and Damane. We know that. They just call them witches. I said I. And he said, I'm not sure which one it was who was well, doing that stuff at us, but let's be when real. we killed them... It ended. How often have you heard a white cloak refer to uh, Aes Sedai as Aes Sedai? Well, I don't tend to hang out or throw back nah. drinks in a bar with any, so... They're the Tarvalon witches. <laughs> so, he's killed the patrols. They made sure none survived. And here they are in a town where there's people, and they're they're getting all the people together. They're pulling them central, and they are now locking them into one of the buildings. And they're barring the doors. I mean, mm-hmm. they're literally wooden nails. They're they're closing them in. Now, notably, they are not planning to, like, close them in and then light the building on fire. No, they're not hurting the people. Because everything we've said so far could lead you to believe that that's what they're doing. Remember, Bornhold, he has no problem killing dark friends. He has a problem assuming everyone's a dark friend. Which is rare in a white cloak. It really is, which is one of the sad things about Bornhold being used badly as he's been. He's not a bad white cloak. White cloaks are bad, but he's not a bad white cloak. Yeah. Oxymoron, though that may be. What they are doing is they're going to lock them away in here while they supposedly send for more people to help them with some sort of investigation or something. But so they're going to guard them in here, but really? They're locking them up and walking away and never coming back. Yep. They're all going to leave. With the assumption that it'll take a couple of days before they'll townspeople inside get brave enough to try to break out and see what's up and discover no one's here we've been locked up for nothing for the last two days but that gives enough time for them to have gotten where they're headed and figure out what's really going on without being reported they're afraid these village people who've been whooped by the shan chen might blab Mm -hmm. and secrecy is important and it's really important because these shan chen they are dangerous yeah we already talked about those Two women who... Just two! ...seem to destroy 50 of these thousand men. So they do not want the rest of the Shanchen to know they're coming. That's for sure. notably, they don't know that both of them were channeling or They don't know anything. They just know one of them had to have been an Aes Sedai or something. That's right. And thinking about how that went down, Bornhold is really troubled. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been, you know, dealing with Aes Sedai his whole White Cloak life, you can assume. And they know that supposedly the Aes Sedai cannot do violence against people who aren't threatening them. And yet, here's this. Yeah, this is different. This is not something they've experienced before. And so, with this in mind, and with the concerns about the Shan Chan as a whole, at this point he calls Child Buyer to him. Mm-hmm. He says, 
okay, when we get to the point that we are engaging the enemy, because that's what's coming, we're headed that way, we're going to be engaging the Shanjin. Yep. You, buyer, will not take part. You are being given orders now that you are to hold back, watch from a distance, and then carry word of what happens to my son. Remember? Good old Dane. But I want to fight, not right? No! Obey orders! What is Jeffrem expecting will happen? Oh, when they're they all going to die. Yeah? They are all going to die. They might take a couple with them, but they're going to get slaughtered. Again, it's really driven home to him this fact that with just one or two of these women, 50 of his people died. He only has 1,000. No, now he's only got 950. <laughs> Maybe he had 1,050 before. <laughs> so he's confident they don't have a chance. So why is he still going forward? Well, he's a man of conviction and principle. Again, he's a good white cloak. Exactly. He believes that it is his solemn duty and the honorable thing to do to see this through, discover the truth, and see it to its conclusion. But he believes they have no blooming chance. Yeah, he believes this is the right thing to do. It's what they need to do, but he's got no chance to succeed. So Bornhold wants Byer to report that news, basically of how he died to his son. But he figures he should give Bayar a little more to do than that. Well, especially if he wants Bayar to, you know, actually do it. Right. So he also gives him orders that after you have reported to my son, then I want you to continue back on to Amador and report directly to the Lord Captain Commander, Pedrin Nile, and share the urgent things we have learned here. Things they absolutely must know. So what are those things? Well, there are Aes Sedai seemingly working with Shanchen, and they don't pretend that and hide behind their three little oaths that prevent them from causing damage. Yeah, obviously those are lies. This is the proof, because they've been actively mm -hmm. engaging in battle, and they need to know the Aes Sedai are using the power against people. But also it's very important to note that there is a split within the Children of the Light. The questioners seem to have gone rogue. They're doing horrible things, supposedly in the name of the White Cloaks, but, but Bornhold is sure Pedro well, Nile would not have ordered this deception and such. And the most important thing is they're not doing it in the name of the White Cloaks. It's one thing for White Cloaks to do horrible things. They acknowledge that they do terrible things to dark friends. But when you hide who you are, you are admitting that you're doing something wrong and needing the deception or causing chaos intentionally to blame someone else. And that immediately just tells Bornhold the questioners aren't following the ideals of the Children of the Light right anymore. Now, what he's describing here, both these things that have to be shared with the Lord Captain Commander, he's right and he's not. You know, some of what he's thinking here are the wrong conclusions. I mean, he is technically right. I said I are working with Shan Chan. Not of their own free will. Not the way he's thinking of it. Correct. But this is where Bornhold is truly still a white cloak. He's 100% sure of what he believes he knows, mm -hmm. <laughs> even though he's not quite right here. The conversation ends here that, uh, okay, as Bornhold's just shared this stuff, suddenly he goes, Perrin. Perrin Ibarra. He remembers the name of that figure he saw as entered town. That's what the name of that guy was. He says it out loud and Bayer hears this. And he remembers Perrin Ibarra, because if you remember, he'd been engaged with some sort of intrigue there that didn't pan out. Yeah, what was that he, about? I mean, while he had taken the axe, he tried to do a whole thing to allow him to just kill Perrin and Egwene with a trick. And then, you know, <laughs> Lan Batmaned him into unconsciousness. <laughs> 
Batlan, I believe we said at yes, the time. Batlan. Batlan. <laughs> and of course, Bayar was absolutely convinced that Perrin was a dark friend. So, oh, you saw Perrin Abara? Well, that's a dark friend. Surely he's gone to report to the Shanchen because Bornhold is saying, you know, we did not find this blacksmith no. in the people you rounded up. He must have got out. Bayar is exemplifying his zealous nature. Zealot. He is a zealot. Absolutely. And uh, really, really channels that into Perrin here, even more so than just Sean Chan. It, it, Perrin serves as the vindication that he needs. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing at what, what Jordo just dropped in the Discord about Bayer. I'm sure it was embarrassing to admit that Perrin escaped and took your clothes. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure it was uh, <laughs> just driving home. Oh, yeah, these, these dirty, dark friends, they, they'll do anything. They'll even take my cloak. <gasps> well... Knowing that this person, who Bayar is dark friend, dark friend, has escaped, that means, okay, we can't take any time to stay here at all. We have to go now. We have to assume he's reporting back to the Shanchen, to the Aes Sedai that are working with them, and we can't even stop for a meal or anything. Mount up, everybody. We are headed off. They got to maintain the secrecy. What they don't realize is the secrecy is already blown. Yeah. Discord had already pointed this out a little bit ago. Going, uh, yeah, hiding your secrets of where you are. But up above, there's one of those creatures that the Shan Chen brought. They haven't been named yet, so I'm not going to drop the name. Let's just say a big flying lizard thing. Yep, with, you know, a Shan Chen rider on top. And they're, they've been spied. The Shan Chen know they're there. Yeah. That will come to roost later. Surprise? Element of surprise? Nah, nah, nah definitely Blown. not. Happening. All right, we get another POV shift. This time back to Rand, the rest of the Shinarans, Loyal, they're all out there where they had set up camp in a thicket on a hilltop out of sight of the town completely. And they're waiting for Perrin, Matt, and Huron to get back who are very overdue. It's yeah. been hours longer than usually people head off. I and mean, many others had gone with Huron. Rand has gone off with Huron in the past trying to find Fane's trail. Usually they're not gone anywhere near this long. So they're kind of kind of stressed, kind of nervous, everybody trying to pass the time somehow. Well, <laughs> everybody's nervous except Varen again. She's the one that just never seems to be bothered by these things. She's just sitting there digging in the dirt. <laughs> it's just, she's got a stick. She keeps scratching things in the dirt. We don't know what's going on. And Varen said, Rand, his choice is to kill time by practicing sword forms. I mean, it's something to do. He learned all that stuff from it's land. It's quite fun. I've done it. Practicing sword forms? Yeah, I've why seen not? you do that, yes. Um, I'm not sure I've seen you do heron waiting the rush in the rushes or that's cat we don't... Ca crossing the courtyard. That's because or... you and I, at least, don't know what those actually look like. I'm sure someone has like come up with a they way have. for they all have. of these moves. There's someone on Twitter but I don't, time I don't believe that has posted like videos of these things. Eh, I love them. Made a real one, and you I'll can probably enjoy learning it at some point. I don't know, maybe check me at uh, JordanCon 2022 showing my heron wading through yeah. the rushes or something. I'm sure hope that works. We've put it out there already that we are looking forward to attending JordanCon in 2022. That's the annual gathering in Atlanta of all the Wheel of Time fans from all over the world. And it, JordanCon 2020 was canceled due to some pesky virus and... 2021 is happening within a week, I believe. It starts next Friday, I believe. But it it was not something that well, could work no, no, into our schedule Friday, but the following this year. 
But apparently it doesn't usually happen in July. It usually happens in the spring. Yeah. So I'm hoping they announce the dates early and then I can work it into my schedule. Because there's a few things that happen in the spring I don't have control over. So really hoping we can attend. That's our plan. Anyways, why did I bring up Jordan Con? I did. Because sword forms. Ah, yes, yes. So looking forward to it, putting it out there in podcast. We do hope to be at JordanCon 2022. Okay, sword forms. He's practicing this one in particular, Heron waiting in the rushes, I'd mentioned. And mm-hmm. Ingtar, who's off to his side sharpening his own sword, looks up, sees him doing, going, what are you doing that one for? That is a waste of time. It's like, if you use that form, yes, you might get a strike on an enemy, but it leaves you way too open you're going to have a sword through your ribs by the time you're hitting the other guy. And Rand's like, well, yeah, this one is about balance. He'd learned it from Lan. As good balance practice. Yes. I'm, I'm picturing from the Karate Kid, the crane. There was a name for that move, too. Yeah, I just remember it as the, like, form three of it a It was a totally impractical technique. It was about balance, but... You can use it to get a perfect kick onto someone right in the jaw, apparently, which is how he wins (laughs) the contest. But it's not a practical one, okay? So, yeah, he's using this and doing this. And Ingtar is like, no, if you practice something, even if it's just for balance, if you practice it in the heat of a moment, you'll use it. Your body will just respond with your muscle memory. Mm -hmm. So you shouldn't be using that one. In fact, if I'm fighting someone and they use this, this technique, I'm going to stab them. I will not be able to resist myself because you're leaving yourself so wide open, I must strike. Is it fair to say first time readers should remember this conversation? (coughs) Foreshadowing. (coughs) Foreshadowing. Yes. Yes, you should. Rand gives the practice a rest at this point, and Perrin and the others are observed by the sentries that, hey, they're returning. Coming into the camp, Huron shares the news. We found Fane's trail, finally. And now we learn why they've been gone so long, because they followed the trail away from the village where they found it. Yeah. Almost right into Falme. It clearly leads directly into the city of Falme. So it's almost like if you had not wasted those couple days looking around and just gone to Falme, you would have been going to the right place. Yeah. And is like, so are you going to bring that up now? No. Varen's like, no, it's all right. It's all right. I, yeah, I I thought we were supposed to go there, but the fact that we didn't is simply must be like a Taviran thing. The pattern did not want us there yet. Yeah, we, we needed to wait a couple more days delay. or something. I don't know why, but I, it did. I trust that we are now ready to go because now is the time we're supposed to go. It's almost like there maybe were some people in the city who had other plans and they needed time to get them ready. Uh, The wheel is sinking the timelines in some manner. Yes, indeed. They also, Kieran, Matt, Perrin, share about, oh yeah, and by the way, we saw some white cloaks. Great. Ingtar is like, I don't care. I don't care about white cloaks. We just need to get the horn. We don't worry about the white cloaks. We don't bother them. They won't bother us. Ignore the white cloaks. And I mean, let's just be real. If the white cloaks and the Shanchan start fighting, we can use the chaos to our advantage. That might help because we just need to get to the horn. Anything else is pointless, frivolous. I don't want to talk about it. So Ingtar has a plan now. He's like, okay, so Falme it is. Fane is there, which means the horn, the dagger, probably are there. We're going to go in and find him. 
And everything we've learned about the Shanchen does say that inside their territory, they really don't bother people as long as you don't threaten them. Don't but clearly go if against them. you try to them. go with force, you'll be obliterated. We try to take our whole bunch of troops in. That's going to be a problem. So I want to take five people. Just a few people with me. He doesn't say five people. No, I think I he, he just wants a small group. I just want to take a small group. And his suggestion is, I will go with Huron and a couple other people. That's kind of what he says. Yeah, we'll follow the scent. We'll make it work. So Varen, she's got that stick. She's been playing in the dirt. Now she scratches two lines in the dirt. Ingtar One for Ingtar, one for Huron. And then suggests Matt, because he can sense the dagger. And Matt's like, yeah. I'll go too. So she scratches a third line. Now, visual here. Each of these lines is coming out from a central point. So this kind of looks like a bird foot. Okay, you got three prongs, three fingers coming from a central spot. Gotcha. Then she glances over at Rand and he speaks up. He responds to her, her looking at him and says, yes, I'll go. I mean, it's why I came after all to help Matt find the dagger, help Ingtar get the horn. I mean, that's my whole reason for being here. I will go with. But he's also thinking, Fane's there. Fane wanted gotta me. Fane, There's man. a whole mess there. We got to do it before it's too late, before he goes to the two rivers and yeah. messes that all yeah. up. So he's definitely driven. He wants to be there. He feels he needs to be there. And Varen's looking at him going, hey, I'm pretty sure you're the dragon. So you're you need to be You're supposed to be, to be here for another reason. But okay, she scratches another line. So this central point now has four lines coming out from it. And she asks, who else? And Perrin volunteers. Right after Perrin says something, Loyal also jumps in, saying, I, I certainly, I would go. And then Uno and all the Shinarans are like, we'll go, we'll go, send us. Yeah. Everybody wants to go. And Varen says, ah, Perrin called it first. He's got dibs. And she marks a fifth line. And then she draws a circle around the five lines. And you know what it looks like? A wheel. A wheel. Except here's the problem. Like, I agree. That's totally good. That's exactly what she's doing. Mm -hmm. The wheel has seven spokes. Well, this is clearly not the Wheel of Time. This is the Wheel of Prophecy. Sure. And she even says to herself, five ride forth. So what's that about, Zach? Well, there's the prophecy. I kind of want to actually look it up so I have the right words. In oh, front of me. Do I you have it. Somewhere? I have it. Okay, I was hoping you did. I just My don't see son, it right here yet. I pulled it up because the great Google. Because I know we need it for this conversation, but I didn't have it in front of me. From the prophecies of the dragon. The Koreathon cycle. Yes. Which Tom has referenced in the past. Please move to the correct Sorry, platform. I had it and then I went yeah. right so it there. Says, five ride forth and four return. Above the watchers over the waves shall he proclaim himself bannered across the sky in, in fire. fire. Okay, that's the relevant verse of the Koreathon it's, cycle. It's its own little stanza. It works. Yep. Now, notably, that means the five ride forth for return means A, five people. Specifically five and only five, but Yet also somehow only four come they back. They become four. Does one die? Does one just leave? We don't Does, know. I don't know, but only four return. A lot of things can come from that. But you also tie with the next line, and Varen has this understanding she made the comment about, or I guess it was Adelaide and Van Deen, that whole conversation with the Watchers and the distinction of, are the Watchers the Watchers over the waves? And what does that mean in terms of, because it says... Well, I think now you're talking about the bit about bannered across the sky. Well, it says, above the watchers over the waves, he shall proclaim himself. That's all in the same stanza. Yeah. So there's a whole mess of these things must be there's around the same time yeah, and place. Something coming here. And we'll, we'll learn about that soon. Prophecy is so clear. Yeah. <laughs> clear as mud. <laughs> it's great. If it wasn't 
immediately connected, you could have thought that these five ride fourth four returns implies the Emmons Field five. Who knows? But we have our five. They've been decreed by Varen. And Varen, as an Aes Sedai, decides she gets the final say. But Loyal, Uno, the soldiers, they're all wanting to make cases on, no, no, we need to go too. What, what is this? Five. No. They all have their reasons and Varen counters each argument quite logically. And then Rand follows up with, but what about you? Why aren't you coming? To which she again reminds them, uh, remember those Damane? Yeah. A lot of her arguments, which makes sense, are we would stand out. Loyal, for example. There's and no gear out here, so. Really stands out. A channeler, when there are Damane who can sense channelers, really stands yeah. out. The only thing Varen could do of any help would be to use the one power, which would be no help because, again, bullseye, hello. Especially when this mission is meant to be secretive, stealthy, sneak in and get what you need. Mm-hmm. And then Varen drops a hint slash suggestion for Rand, mm-hmm. coached in a simple commentary. Even if they, the Damani, were not close enough to see, one might well feel a woman, or a man for that matter, channeling, if care was not taken to keep the power channeled small. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah. So, with all that, it's settled. These five will be the ones that will go in. And Ingtar declares, we'll leave immediately, riding through the night, which will have us hitting the town right at sunrise. And they'll be exhausted and ready to do a full mission. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's important. It's There's true. no time it's to just... waste. And Rand, he's, yeah, we have to go. He's been feeling this for days. I'm partially just kind of going, if anyone at any point in this makes a mistake or a bad decision, they are sleep deprived. Hmm. So, hmm. <laughs> As Ingtar gets moving, his foot brushes across the drawing that Varen had put on the ground, and one of the spokes in the edge of the wheel is kind of poofed away. Mm-hmm. There's only four of the five spokes intact now. Five red fourth and four return. Foreshadowing for sure. We move on then to chapter 45. Blade Master. Ooh, that's ominous, but fun. One of the most kick-butt chapters of the entire Wheel of Time series, in my opinion. Really? It is. It's a good chapter in the book, but I don't know if I would say of the mm, series. No, there's a scene that I just, ooh. So, All right, we'll get there. We're in fall May. Yes. As the sun is rising that next day. So we've had just a little bit of time jump. We got past that night where the guys are traveling, mm-hmm. but we're not with the guys at this point. No. We're just in time to observe Nynaeve, Min, and Elaine putting their plan for freeing Egwene into action. Like I said, time needed for the uh, timelines to sync up. They had left Domen to figure out their plan. Uh Okay, they figured out their plan. But we know this is somewhere within two to three days of when they talked to Domen. Because he was to be ready to go within two to three days. Yes. And, okay, what's the plan? Well, they're out in front of a shop currently closed it's early in the morning like i said sunrise streets pretty deserted there's a few people around but not many and there's a soldam and damane walking along yay in preparation for what's about to happen Nynaeve is running through her head all the horrible things men told her about how damane are treated how Egwene has been treated with the collaring and the leashing and the training and stuff and it has her furious so basically Nynaeve is looking in the mirror and giving herself a pep talk ready to go make that big presentation to get the promotion except (laughs) it's being angry to make herself upset so she can channel I like that I like that yes so she is furious and the power is at her disposal yeah and that's important because of what's about to happen now 
Because just as the Shanshan women come abreast of them, Nynaeve embraces the source fully, knowing any woman who can channel will see that glow. Yeah. Which the Soldam does, the, wearing that, that bracelet, and gives a startle. But before she can do anything about it, Nynaeve lashes out with just a tiny but very intense trickle of the power mm -hmm. right at the collar of the Damani. And snick, it opens and falls to the ground. Both these women are surprised. Yeah. But before the Soldam can do anything about it, that Damani turns and punches her square in the face. Bam! Girl goes down. The Soldam's knees, you know, buckle. She was hit so hard. And then Elaine's like, yeah, you go, girl. And the girl goes. Yeah, she runs. <laughs> Damani just takes off. And it's like, Elaine's like, no, we're, we're on your side. Yeah. And Nynaeve's like, shh, what are you doing? Anna Don't need to attract more attention. The plan? Remember? The plan? On a depressing note, that Damani's probably getting re-leashed later. It's possible. We do hear, you know, Jordo's like, I always wondered if the Damani got caught again. But we do hear... Oh, man, I can't talk about this yet. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. Okay, this has a way for the spoiler zone, gonna too. So we are going to have fine. so much hard time in these last chapters of this book. <laughs> oh. This I don't have to edit out. I just want people to hear the struggle. It's real. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> so that one's gone. Let's continue with the plan. You got okay. this shake and soldom. And they grab her. They pull her out of the street down an alley. They throw a big old bag over her head. But not just her head. This thing goes all the way down to her middle. It's a so, full bur burlap sack. It seriously is. And they've, they've got her. And as they're dragging her away, there's also this uh, collar with the leash that's laying there. And Nynaeve's like, pick that up. And Elaine, I don't want to touch this thing. But she does. She picks it up. And so she carries the leash with them. And down an alley, down another alley, and into an abandoned stable. Mm-hmm. They had this planned out. So they've got a, a secure and secluded place where they can deal with her now. I didn't mention it before. They gagged her before bagging her. So they, yes. they totally had her under control and she can't call for help or anything. They also hadn't taken it, the bracelet part of the ADOM off of her wrist. No, no. Um, so Elaine picking it up was like so that they're not dragging this piece of metal across the stony street. Mm -hmm. So now that they're in this <laughs> other secure place... Nynaeve uses a little bit of the power on the bracelet, and it also falls off, off the Soldom's wrist. And the Soldom starts throwing a fit. She's twitching and kicking and Sorry. trying to get away. They pull the bag off her, and, I mean, she's one, they're three. So they manage to overpower her, and overpower her enough to strip her clothes off. Everything except her undergarments. And with they want that dress. Ripping them, ripping it to shreds. Right. Then they tie her up, hand and foot. They leave her gagged. They've got her over in one of the horse stalls. I'm just gonna leave her there. But they have what they needed. They've got this collar, bracelet, leash thing. Mm -hmm. And they have a soldam dress, which is very distinctive with lightning bolts and shows you are somebody who controls Damani. Yes. Nynaeve changes into the outfit. Because she's the only one petite enough to fit into it. Apparently, the, the Soldam is not a very large lady, and Nynaeve is the most petite of these three women. I always specifically read it as, like, short. It's not just short. I know it's not, but that's the way I always kind of read Nynaeve, it. Nynaeve, I Because Nynaeve I is not she, described as petite. She is short. 
And when it describes that she's wearing this dress now, the dress is long for her. So it's a little long. She's shorter than the soldam. But it also mentions that it's too tight in some places, yeah. specifically across the breasts, and too loose in other places. So I, she is petite, but well endowed. That's what I read from that. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how do they play such things with the Amazon Wheel of Time show. Or maybe the Wheel of Time show will have more diversity and realism with some of body shape and type. I mean, all the women will not be triple D breasts. Because they seem to be, in Robert Jordan's not words. Not with a 20-inch waist. <laughs> okay, more realistic body shapes. That's probably likely. Anyways... She's got this dress on. They didn't know beforehand whether it would be Nynaeve or Elaine wearing it because couldn't tell which Soldom would show up. No but idea. Nynaeve's the one that's the best fit. Now, the next part of the plan, Nynaeve takes that bracelet, snaps it onto her own wrist. Cool. And it merges. Like, ooh, look at that. You can't see a place where it would come apart. It's doesn't merge with her wrist. It merges like with, with itself. itself. So it's, it's one solid bracelet again. It's got a cool clasp thing. That works. But to her, it seems just like a bracelet. She doesn't feel anything. There's nothing special about it. And Nynaeve's like, oh, good. Because she was worried. What well, is this going to feel like? Eh. But no, it feels fine. Mm -hmm. Now, next, Elaine gets out a dress of hers that has been dyed Damani Gray. See, the next part of the plan is that whichever one is wearing the soldom dress, the other one is then going to put on a Damani Gray dress. They're going to try to pose as a Soldom slash Damani pair so men can take them into the Damani quarters. That and they'll was, just hope they don't have right. to talk to anyone. And they actually have two dresses. One of Nynaeve's, one of Elaine's. Both died because, again, they didn't know which one was mm. going to get to play the Soldom. So they're ready for whatever they needed. Yeah. So we've got Elaine getting into that dress. So now Nynaeve and Egwene are both in costumes. And Elaine is still like... <laughs> Even though we're going through with the plan, she clearly is not real comfortable having to wear the collar. Because leashed ones, you know, what is this going to do to me? What might it do to me? I know Nynaeve's not going to try to hurt me, but what will this do? And they just don't know. Nynaeve says, wait a second, I have a way to find out. And she takes the collar and she puts it on the soldom, who just laughs at her and looks with contempt. Yeah. And Min's like, it doesn't work like that, Nynaeve. You can't just put it on anyone. But Nynaeve is experiencing something through the bracelet. A sensation. Like, in a part of her brain, she can now feel everything the Soldom is feeling. Yep. The gag in the mouth. The bindings on her wrists and ankles. Huh. And so Nynaeve tries something. Yeah. Okay, you're laughing? How about this? And she pushes a new feeling into that lump of sensation in her brain the feeling of being switched or punished by shariam sadai and the soldom starts crying and her eyes bulge and she's twitching on the ground she's in pain and nynaeve stops after just a few moments shocked at how that worked oh but my she shares goodness. what she did what happened and men's like that shouldn't be possible nynaeve's like i don't care Clearly it does work. They said it doesn't work on women who can't channel. But look, <laughs> this is a thing. Okay, so Nynaeve comes up with two conclusions from this experiment. Mm -hmm. One is there's no way she can put this collar on Elaine. Knowing how this thing works, That's I cannot terrible. do that to you. Nope. And secondly, I don't have to do it to you. Because nah. 
We've got this one. It worked. Absolutely. We will use the Soldom as our pretend Damani. They question her. They learn her name is Sita. And she begs. She offers gold. Anything. Just take the collar off of her. She is terrified. She will answer any question Nynaeve asks quickly. And that reinforces for Nynaeve the power of this Adam. Because clearly Sita knows what Nynaeve can do with this thing. Yep. She can do anything to her. Pretty much. She is totally terrified. She's also terrified someone might see her wearing the collar and recognize her. Because that would um, probably keep it permanently on. Mm -hmm. And being she knows what it's like, what Soldam do to Damani. She's on the other end. She does not want to be a Damani. So Nynaeve uses that fear and some more bullying threats to cajole the Soldam into the role and the plot they have in mind. She's clever and effective. So yes, Sita will be the absolutely faithful and obedient Damani as they walk right into the Damani quarters. And she tells Sita, you better sell this role or someone's going to see who you are and what you're doing. You will be in a world of trouble. And besides that, what I will do for you will make you wish you weren't born. Sita's like, I believe you. I believe you. Totally. And we get to shift our point of view again. This is happening a bit this time around this episode. Because we're gearing up towards the end here. Yeah, we jump to Bail Doman. Just for a little. He's watching the sunrise as well from the deck of his ship. He's got the crew ready to cut lines and speed away at the instant. But now they're just waiting. And, uh, well, he's going to be getting gone. Whether the ladies come or not, there could be Shansha and soldiers. It could be the woman he's waiting for. It doesn't matter. He'll wait as long as he can, but then also be gone as yeah, soon as possible Before his today. chance disappears to leave, he gonna leave. Yeah. Absolutely. He's been here too long. He doesn't want to be here a second longer than he has to. Then we shift POV again. So, Woo. you know, that was a, a really quick one. Quick little jump, because now we're back to Rand. It's the morning. It has been here. And we knew that Rand and Co., these five who ride forth, would be riding forth towards the town, arriving at about sunrise. And that's what they see. They are heading into the town, but they've spaced themselves out. So they don't look like a group of five. Yeah, no, it's just five people conspicuously coming across the road all equally spaced about 30, 40 feet they, apart. I think they staggered it a little better. There were nobody else because no, it's sunrise and who travels through the night. There are probably a few other people around. But Ingtar went in first. He's already inside the city. And then you've got, when we come to this point, we're seeing Rand's point of view. He sees Huron up ahead just weaving in. So you know Monty Python, Holy Grail. Heard of it, yeah. That scene with the uh, French castle... And they're collectively all just like hiding behind a little bit of shrubbery out and back. And then people go forth. That's what I kind of imagine. Everyone's just hiding slightly out of view. And then they send one and they go, okay, we'll wait like half an hour and we'll send another. Yeah, something like that. Okay. Not quite spacing it out quite that far. Because they do all make it into the city in pretty short form. It's still pretty early. As Rand gets inside, Huron's like, psst buddy over here <laughs> and he joins him and finds ingtar in there as well and then matt and perrin in order they all come in and soon enough they're all inside they had brought their horses in now they all tie their horses up in this little stable shed area they'd found and let's go on and see what yep. else we can find in the town let's hit the streets because we gotta find fane we gotta find the dagger gotta, we gotta find, find the horn, horn. Huron takes the lead but quickly starts complaining it's like, okay, um, yeah, 
I can sense Fane now. I also, he's been freaking yeah. everywhere. I can sense where he's been for the last three or four months. He's crisscrossed every part of this town. He, ugh, the smell is nasty. Some are a little newer, some are older, but wow, I, there's not just like one trail I can find. So they just continue to move on through the town. They eventually make it to a place in the city, kind of up in the city at a high place. Yes. Where they come upon a large house on one side of the street with a score of Shanshan soldiers out in front guarding it. Must be important. Yeah. And across from there, a large row of buildings with a couple of soldam. So we as the semi-omnipotent readers know that they're looking at the place where the High Lord Turok is residing and where the soldam and Damane are housing up. That's right. But what really grabs their eyes are the two big, leathery-skinned shapes crouched amongst the soldiers. Frog bears. both Rand and Huron recognize. Huron's like, bears. isn't that, isn't that? Yeah, he doesn't say frog bears. No. It's the Grom. Because they got given a name for them. Just like they saw in the Portal Stone world when they were in there with Loyal and the Lady Selene. It's crazy. I mean, how can they be here? But they are. They are. But despite their shock and Matt and Perrin going, what the heck are those? I mean, now we're seeing these creatures that had been described by all the villagers. Ingtar is like, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. The horn is all that matters. And we have to follow the trail. So Huron, lead us. Well, Huron responds, okay, the most recent trail I can sense from Fane. Goes right into the big house. That big house, where all the soldiers are. Maybe last night? Yeah, he could be in there right now. And then Matt twitches. He's like, the dagger. I can feel the dagger. It's, it's in, in there, there too. All right, so we've got Fane in there. We've got the dagger in there. We probably have the horn in there too. And you think it's a triple triple threat? The trifecta. There we go. That's what I was looking yeah, for. Yeah, that's what you're going for. A triple threat's a you know, thing too. That's well, good. As they realize that that's there, we've got to figure out a way to get to the horn. So Ingtar, he has a brain, not a brainstorm. Brain blast. Brain blast. Poor guy. Brain has been blasted no, out of his head. Brain blast is like... Is that legit? It's a thing from, I want to say it's from like a kid's animated TV show thing that's like a real, like Little Einsteins or something. I don't know. Light bulb moment, yeah. Discord says. I like I that. Don't remember Ding. Where it's from. Okay, that is the point though. He's thought of something. Okay, obviously we can't go through the guards. There's yeah. like a score. Do you know how many a score is? 20? I think 24. I think a score is two dozen. Well, I'm trying to think because Lincoln's speech was four score and seven years ago, and that would have been a number. Hey, Siri, how many is a score? I really hope it gives you a random score. 20. I was right. Wow, he's right. Yeah. All right. Because it was 87 (laughs) years back. So, all right. So there's 20 soldiers out in front of the place. We can't go. We're five. They're 20. We can't go through the soldiers. But Ingtar is like, you know, it looks like all of these places have gardens behind them. And when guards are really focused, and again, he's a soldier, when guards are really focused on protecting an entrance, they don't always think about the back door. Yeah, I mean, why would there need to be guards when they already have a garden? <laughs> so let's try it. They go back away like they're leaving. Mm-hmm. And then they circle around to the back of the buildings. There's an alleyway behind there. Mm-hmm. They follow the alley, which has a tall wall separating the alley from the buildings but they get to about the part where they should be and Ingtar's like all right hike me up so he gets up looks over the wall 
yeah, there's a garden back there. I'm starting to sense a theme in these books. Tall walls, gardens, and either climbing or falling to the other side. Mm. A trope? Perhaps. Looking in there, he says, there's one guard. I got this. And up he goes over the wall. A couple minutes later, the rest of them start scurrying over the wall. The wall is not hard to climb, actually, so they're all able to get over it. Not a very good wall if it can be climbed easily. They find Ingtar. He's taking care of the soldier. Do you know what taking care of the soldier means in this point? Is he dead or unconscious? He is dead. That's unfortunate. Ingtar mentions he was overconfident. He didn't even bother to cry out. Yeah. Just like, I got this. And no, you don't got this because Ingtar got you. Ingtar, you know, he's pretty capable. He is. I mean, the only real experiences we have of seeing him actually fight include when he told Rand, hey, run, I'll get the mirror draw. So now, let's get into the house. They quietly sneak up the back steps and enter the building. Ingtar is focused, the horn, the horn, the horn. We're almost there. They work their way through the house, trying to make it closer to the front. They can hear noise. There's activity within the building, but they don't see anybody. Mm -hmm. It's like their luck is holding out. Rand, the others are probably also thinking, but we're getting Rand's POV on the thoughts here. It's like any minute, somebody's going to walk out in the hallway right in front of them and raise the alarm, but nope, nothing happens. There's just nobody here and nothing. It's it's weird, but it's fine. Finally, they come upon a room where Matt says, the dagger's in there. I can feel it. Sweet. So they open the door. Ingtar jumps inside, kind of like, ah, you know, nothing happens. They all go into the room and there it is on a, a little display pedestal. There is the dagger and the Horn of Valir. They're both just sitting there in this big open space, big open room. So nobody else is here. The box was opened, but they also have both things sitting there. Matt goes right to him and grabs them both. Now, significantly, Matt's the only one who can grab the dagger. Yeah. That would be a problem for anyone else, but the horn's right there too. He grabs them both. Ingtar reaches out to touch the horn and pulls his hand back saying, It is. By the light, it is. I am saved. Zach, do you remember what you thought that meant the first time you read it? Because um, that seems like an unusual reaction or phrasing. Kind of. I think I mostly just didn't look to it being weird and went going, hey, we found it. We're good. We were successful. We have saved the world by recovering the horn kind of thing. I didn't look at it as personal, even though it is an intentional use of the word I. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has been so driven to get it. As if it's a personal thing in some way, he must recover the horn. And he seems to be responding to that. Yes, I have it. Okay, so they've regained the items. Now what? Hirin, he goes to the windows, looking down outside, and says, yeah, the soldiers, they're all still there. They're all standing guard right in the front. Rand goes over to look out as well, but what he notices are the gardens beyond the building across the street, where pairs of women are walking. Linked women. Bracelets on one to collars on the others, connected by leashes. Mm -hmm. Disturbing. But one of the women wearing a collar looks up like right at Rand, and it seems like their eyes meet. They're too far away to really be able to truly see what Mm -hmm. they're looking at, but Rand in his gut knows that's a Gwen. Okay. I need to like conduct a seance or something so that I can have an open discussion with Robert Jordan um, <laughs> and just give him a piece of my mind about this is twice now in two chapters where there have been individuals who recognize people from far off just 
I know it's that person. And, no, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> Discord. What's the green doing in Portland? I thought she was in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's no way he should be able to tell that's Egwene. But he is dead certain it's Egwene. You learned you can channel and you magically got equalized too? Just in his core. Who are you, Perrin? I seen Egwene. And he tells the others. And they like, they can't see her. Which, let's go a step further. Why doesn't Perrin look? He does have better eyes. I think they do look. But not in view anymore. The one Rand had saw. But it's pointless anyways. They know that she's safe in Chicago. <clears throat> I mean, Tarvalon. Rand is certain, though. She's there. I have to get her out. But before that can go any further, a door slides open at the end of the room, and the High Lord Turok steps into the room with a couple of servants behind him. Cue mid-game boss fight. And from various other locations around the room... Screens get knocked over. Ta-da! There are soldiers. As if they were waiting for somebody. You know that moment in uh, Return of the Jedi when Leia successfully gets Han Solo and then the lights come on and Jabba's exactly laughing and everything? exactly the same. That's what we're looking at. That's exactly what's happening. <laughs> and Robert Jordan definitely stole it. That came first. We're sticking with it. I'm sorry. I love you. This You did great. I'm also just making jokes for it. No, you... I got a good job of laugh, I think. Uh, I think. You, you we, think. We can let them let us know. <laughs> but, okay, they're busted. There's no just running away now. They're surrounded by soldiers and this High Lord dude. And he shares calmly having a conversation with them. They are not who he expected. Mm. They discovered the dead guard out in the garden. Mm-hmm. He figured Fane was finally making a play for the dagger, as he clearly had wanted this dagger. Mm-hmm. Turok had been particularly suspicious of Fane ever since Huan died mysteriously. Yeah, that one guard servant guy who Fane had been like, you, yep, no, I've decided in my brain how you're going to die. Apparently he followed through. Huan's dead, and hmm, waiting for Fane to make his move. Gave him enough rope to, you know, hang himself with it, but it's not Fane. It's this other guy. So, as the High Lord is talking and sharing these things, he's been prepping. Mm -hmm. Okay, He's held out his arms, and his servants have reached up and removed his robe, showing his upper torso, which is rippling with muscles. The guy is stacked. He does CrossFit. Six-pack, eight-pack. I I don't know how you describe this, but there are a lot of muscles. He's built. He's buff. He says, And now, to find strangers with not only the dagger... But the horn. It will please me to kill one or two of you for disturbing my morning. And as much as I love my father, his accent's horribly off, considering Shan Chen have more of a southern drawl than a... I was trying to get a... into a slur, Nah, you were more well. going your immediate attempt of fantasy into a vaguely British... I was intentionally British. trying not to do British. It still was happening. Anyways, those who survive will tell me of who you are and why you came. <laughs> Gotta get the words out. And he stretches out his hand, and the servant lays the hilt of a sword in it. So Turok indicates the horn. Let's remove that. I would not have that damaged. And a soldier steps forward to take it. Uh-uh. Matt slashes out with the dagger, making the soldier leap back with a curse. But then the soldier screams because the dagger had nicked his yeah, hand. It's just a little cut. But it's just the, a flesh wound. The hand, he's holding it up in front of him. It is turning black. 
with like black oozing from where the cut was and then swiftly going all the way up his arm his shoulder he falls to the ground twitching and kicking and dies a horribly choking death gross what came to mind was me king joffrey in the purple wedding game of thrones but amp it up a whole nother 10 levels i mean it's just bad is this matt's first kill i think so at least his first like human kill yeah oh i'm pretty sure but wow this was not what anybody expected would happen from a little nick with a dagger no that's surprisingly violent it's pretty terrible it's great i want that i mean i don't personally want it but like if I was playing a character in a game or something, especially a fantasy world, I want to be able to do that. I mean, even Turok is staring open-mouthed at this. Whoa. Ingtar, he takes advantage of the moment and says, you see, we are no easy meat. And attacks the soldiers in one direction. And, you know, with me! And Hiran, he jumps in to help. He's with him. And then Perrin and Matt, they go the other direction. Matt's got this little dagger thing. I think they're a little scared yeah, of that. Probably gonna stay a little bit but away. Perrin's from that got one. this big old axe, you know. So out they've they go. also got the horn. And the result is that you have Turok and Rand standing together in the center of the room, now facing each other. Because neither of them decided to move. And Turok, he comments that this is sort of what he expected, as he's noticed Rand has a heron mark blade, and Turok, well, he pulls his blade and look at that. It's got herons on it, too. Oh, so Turok, you're a blade master. A real blade master, Rand this, is thinking. This is the moment where it's appropriate to say, well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the moment I've been waiting for. This is awesome. Because, all right, Rand is up against a real blade master. This is not going to go well, but Rand has no choice. He's got to get through this. He's thinking, Egwene, she's a captive here. If I fail now, she's lost. So he seeks the void so he can do his best with the sword forms and nothing. He's like so stressed in the moment he cannot even find the void. And here comes the attack. I mean, he could go for Sidene, but remember, he was warned by Varen. Don't Don't touch Sidene. So it's just him and a sword. That's what we're up against. He's been training a lot, but he's no blade master. Without the void, Rand is not exactly Heronmark material. So Turok glides in and he takes a number of swipes and it's obvious he's just testing Rand out, kind of get the feel mm-hmm. of his opponent. Not going all out yet. And Rand gets a, a slice under the eye, a slice off a sleeve. He's getting nicked here and there. He's trying to keep up with what is happening here, but he, he's not fast enough. He is no blade master. Turok expresses his disappointment. So this is all that it takes... Who did you steal that sword from? You are clearly not up to par. Well, you'll die like anyone else, basically. Mm -hmm. And now Turok comes in to finish him. But this time, the void is there. As is Sidene going, pick me, pick me. But Rand's like, nope. He does not pick. Nope, no Sidene. He does not pick. But he relaxes into the void, and we see another level of swordmanship. I mean, there is a reason why this void, this oneness, is a trick that is taught for soldiers especially those with significant skill why tam used it why he has taught rand this from birth basically it is incredibly useful and good and rand shows that so while he'd been a hair too slow before now he's able to anticipate the moves turok is throwing at him 
he recognizes the sword forms. They're mm-hmm. they're a little different than what he's trained with, but they're similar enough that he knows what's being done and he knows the counter moves, the defensive moves for each of these. Mm-hmm. So Turok, his expression changes as this goes on. He's like, oh, wait a second. So he's not, not so disappointed anymore. Now he's concentrating. He's focusing. He's trying hard to get at Rand and he can't. Rand is matching him move for move. But still, it's all been defense. Turok is a skilled blade master. That's very mm-hmm. obvious. And Rand, doing all he can do, is just managing to fend him off. And he's getting tired. He's wearing down. And he recognizes, I'm no blade master. I'm going to lose. I'm staying alive for now, but the moment I get tired and slip up one little thing, that's all it takes. So before I get too tired, I got to find a way to end this. I have to take a chance. Now, he takes a chance. And what he does is suddenly throw everything into an attack. He's as aggressive as he can. A burst of energy. Fast, hard, getting in there trying to land just one solid good hit. It's the kind of move you normally wouldn't do because you can't do it very long. Yeah, it's not quite a Hail Mary. It's not like, I'll do this and die trying. But it is a, I will do this and if it doesn't work, that's going to be it. I'd compare it to in boxing matches or taekwondo matches where a guy just goes all in. Mm. Boom, 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 boom. And if it fails, he's going to be out of gas. But if you hit hard enough, it doesn't matter. And this is what Rand is going to do because he's got one chance. So he does. And, and Turok is forced back across the room. Defensive move, defensive move, defensive move. Just trying to keep Rand from striking. And then Rand, this, this is great. And these words I found are chilling. I'm, I'm going to... Do I get to read this one? Would you like to? I'd like to. Read this. This is how it ends. Rand charged. The river undercuts the bank. He dropped to one knee, blades slashing across. He did not need Turok's gasp, or the feel of resistance to his cut to know. He heard two thumps and turned his head, knowing what he would see. He looked down the length of his blade, wet and red, to where the High Lord lay, sword tumbled from his limp hand, a dark dampness staining the birds woven in the carpet under his body. Turok's eyes were still open, but already filmed with death. So what exactly do you think that sword move did? I mean, it chopped. I mean, two thumps. Clearly, he's severed into two pieces in some way, shape, or form. Now, it says tumbled from his limp hand, so it clearly doesn't chop off his hand. To me, what I see is ridiculously sharp thing. In some way, you do this sliding knee thing across the ground, and you full-on Obi-Wan Darth Maul this guy. That's possibility. And I think that makes probably the most it's sense. most sense to be an insta-kill. I mean, part of me Chopping wants off to a say leg wouldn't kill. he took him down shoulder to hip, but diagonally. He's, but he's but that's a lot of bone well, to go through. That and River undercuts the bank, dropping to one knee and then blade slashing. But that's why he was dropping. And so I saw a diagonal as he dropped, but it could have been just he dropped and slashed sideways. So definitely a lot easier to just go through the spine. Then go through shoulder blade, collarbone, ribs, I mean, all of that. But yeah, thump, thump. There's two pieces. And he is dead. Now, Rand is actually pretty shaken up as he stares at what he's done. It's still disgusting. It's the first time he's killed a human. He's Uh... fought Trollocs. He has fought against humans in sparring. And he's threatened humans with his sword in a bluff. 
but it's the first time he has actually gone against a man and killed him with the sword. With a sword. I don't think it's the first time he's killed somebody. The book said it was. I believe... Where do you remember he killed somebody? Technically, when he's desperate, desperate, calls lightning at the, uh, in the um, middle of those chapters, yeah. he kills some people. But that is way more least one impersonal. crushes them with the door. Yeah, it's impersonal. He doesn't realize it. But, he's but definitely hanged. in a sword fight, in a way, we'll agree this is the first Rand time. Rand has this. technically killed someone before. But this is far more personal. He works through it, the feeling he's having, shakes it off, and he releases the void. And as he does so, he notices those two servants of Turok. They're still here. When they had given the sword and had taken the robe, they'd backed away to the door that they'd come through and knelt down and just sat there. And at this point, they're looking at Turok dead. They each pull out daggers and stab themselves right in the chest and fall over dead. They say something from life to death we serve, or something like that. I didn't write it down. But What's it called? The ritualistic suicide? Was it seppuku? Seppuku. Am I pronouncing it incorrectly? Yeah, you're pronouncing it too much like Sudoku. I always thought it, they were similar <laughs> in pronunciation. <laughs> but it's clearly, uh, as Discord says, a ritual suicide. Their whole purpose in life is to serve this person. This person is dead. They go they with. They have no purpose, so they die too. They go with. Now, Rand, he sees this and he's like, all right, it might be true that I'm going to eventually go mad. These dudes are already mad. That is crazy. What the heck? Question. Do you think Rand feels guilty about killing three people or just one? Uh, I don't think he feels guilty <laughs> at all. He feels a little overwhelmed at what he did, but there's no guilt. And these idiots? Nah, he feels nothing about these idiots. What the heck? Okay, at this moment, the others all return to Rand. Yeah. From both directions, they're all a little dinged up and nicks and cuts, but nobody's severely hurt. They manage to take care of all the soldiers. Huron, he darts to the window again to check the guards in front. Ingtar, he says, we've got to leave. We have to leave now. We have the horn. We have what we need. It's time to go. And Rand's like, but what about Egwene? Ingtar's like, don't be a fool. We came for the horn. That's all that matters. Not even a woman matters more. You know, even if you, if it's someone you love, pff, I don't care. We need to go. And Rand's response is very strong. Yeah, it's pretty good. He says, The Dark One can have the horn for all I care. What does riding the horn... Wow, my typing You're is typing bad again. You're typing all over the place. What even is that supposed to be? <laughs> <laughs> what does riding the horn... I want to know how you ride that the horn. That sounds like a horrible innuendo. <laughs> Riding the horn. Boom, chicka, chicka, boom, boom. Am I going to have to get the book to find out what actually was said? <laughs> oh, you know, I got to tell you, I listened to Talk Around Riyadh, the Wheel of Time showcast. And in their... They, they wrote a porno recently for this, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> Not this past episode that they did Friday that'll come out on Monday, but the one from last week. Yeah, they, they went down into Trolloc porn, apparently. It was kind of funny. They want to see how the Trollocs do it. So now I got to go back. Well, Jen listens to this from the show. She will probably enjoy listening to us talk about horn porn, so, I guess. Jen, next time you make <laughs> Watt porn, um, include riding the horn. It's a great one, apparently. Uh, so I'm going to get to the exact spot here where it says far enough into the I feel chapter. like it would be like saving or finding. Finding, maybe. He says, what does finding the horn Yeah, count? I found it. I figured it out. <laughs> okay, please go on. I feel like maybe you, you put finding, but you missed the N in find, so then it changed it to writing. 
I just I got an image of riding the horn now. It's in my head and it's disturbing. Anyways, the Dark One can have the horn for all I care. What does finding the horn count if I abandon Egwene to this? If I did that, the horn couldn't save me. The creator couldn't save me. I would damn myself. And booyah! This seems to hit Ingtar in some way. And he just stares at Rand. He's like, you really mean that, don't you? Whoa. Something has clearly shifted in the way Ingtar is thinking right Something's now. Something's different. Huron then yells out from the window, The soldiers are coming! The soldiers are coming! No, they're not redcoats. It's not the or eagles I guess either. It would have been the regulars, <laughs> technically. So, Ingtar, okay. History lesson. We gotta go. Let's go. Out the back. Rand tries to resist, but Ingtar points out, Rand, you cannot save the girl if you die here. So, off they go. Out the back, through the garden, over the wall, to grandmother's house. We Not go. quite, but... Yeah. But we do go to the end of the chapter. Yes. And on to the next one. The last one for today, chapter 46, which is called To Come Out of the Shadow. What a great title! We'll have to talk about it before you understand. Okay. This shifts POV back to the girls. Snap back to reality. Yep. The ghost gravity. To lie. Oh. Back we're... to reality. I don't know what, that, one what you, were doing? you were doing, but I was definitely doing like a Grammy winning song. Mine was a good song too. Mine was also Eminem, so you probably don't know it, which Eminem, is really sad. How, do, how does my dad not even know Lose Yourself? I'm sorry. No, the only one I know with Eminem that I like is uh, the one that Rihanna did that's with him. Really, Monster, I think that's really sad. She's done multiple. That is one of them. That the one so that you're good. talking about is um, so good. Love the Way You Lie, I think. Really? I think that's the one that you were thinking of, but both of those are the same the person. Monster oh, no, I guess you are thinking of Monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Point Monster. is, Eminem and rap music in general. <laughs> I avoid. Very entertaining. I avoid rap music in general. Can be very artistic and fantastic. You don't care about it. I enjoy the lyricism. Yeah, rap is not in the wheel of time. Shall we get back to the You couldn't do Hamilton because you couldn't keep up with the words. I hated Hamilton. Sorry. I love it. It's, it's on great. the record. I've not made my references kind of show. in the podcast. I've made references today and you haven't gotten them. because Generational. Okay. So the girls, they're approaching the Damani building, noticing yep. there seems to be some commotion from the larger building nearby. Just a little bit. Hmm, what might that be? It's not like someone just got bisected. Nah. But they just try to stay focused on the mission at hand. Min, she enters the building first, and they just kind of hang out in front. After some time... By the way... What? In case you don't get that, that is an Eminem reference in the Discord. Will the real dragons please stand up? Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? Now, I've heard that. I just wanted to point out because I figured it's really funny and great. Yeah, Jordo, it had it. gone right over my head. I hadn't caught it. So thank you, Zach, for pointing it out. <laughs> I'm sorry. I totally went back again. <laughs> but Okay, they're approaching the Damani building, as I said. So Min's inside because she can freely enter. After some time, Nynaeve with the collared Sita and Elaine, along as a companion, enter the building. They pass other Soldam, even Soldam and Damani, but no one pays them attention because Nynaeve is wearing the magic clothes. She looks like a Soldam. They belong, and no one pays attention to Damani. Not at all. No. Uh, assuming they're on a leash, like Sita is. Well, if they're not, then they're not technically Damani. They look down ahead of them, and they can see Min a ways off, leading the way. So they follow through the building, down the hall, up some stairs. Eventually, they make it to Egwene's room. And they find her. Sitting at a small table, collar around her neck, and the bracelet on a peg on the wall. Egwene's response is humorous. 
First, she breaks out giggling, mm-hmm. presses her hands to her mouth to stifle it. Then she notes this this must be real, because if it was a dream, they'd be ran and glad on horses. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And then she makes a random comment about thinking Rand was here, though. And of course, I mean, she swore she saw him. We had that thing. She did. She somehow sensed he was there. She didn't see him. She sensed. Okay. And RJ, I'm sorry. Come on, there's something psychic going on there. No, they're not at all it's connected. It's a wheel pattern thing. But they're not actually like like if, if they were warder bonded and could sense each other, great. They're not. I'm sorry. If you if you happen to be in the same city as someone from your hometown, say I came from a small town in the middle of Ohio and I moved to New York City and I see someone up in a skyscraper across the way and I lock eyes, I'm not going to go, that's someone from my hometown. No. <laughs> I get this is a fantasy world, but this is just the point that is sticking with me for some reason. No. Okay, we'll move past his angst now and continue on. I'm young. I'm allowed to be angsty. <laughs> well, <laughs> you almost made Zach spit out his drink. The Discord dropped in. The distance just keeps getting greater. What's Rand I love doing it. in Portland? I thought he was up in Maine. <laughs> Queen thinks that's good. All right, Min comments then. Well, if you'd rather wait for them, you know, Rand and Galad. I like RJ's humor, how he incorporates it throughout the book. And that, yeah, I mean, that was can, it right here. You can live a tortured existence if you want to wait for them. I mean, we can just leave. Yeah. It's fine. Egwene's like, no, no, I'm good with you guys. But uh, I'm here stuck with a leash. That's fine. Now Egwene sees who they have on a leash. Apparently she knows Sita. Sita I mean, is one of those who had worked with her bracelet from handlers and, and apparently has hurt her. Yeah. Badly. Yeah. And Egwene would love to return the favor now. Yeah. Instead, she asks Nynaeve to get her collar off, which is quietly taken care of. Elaine provides Nynaeve's clothes to Egwene. Apparently they're close enough to the, the same clothes, size. The real clothes, yep. And Egwene quickly changes out of the Demani attire. Nynaeve does not understand why Egwene hadn't already escaped on her own, just being left alone here. So Egwene shares about, a, you know, the fact that she can't move the bracelet. It's impossible for Demane to pick up and move the bracelet. You horribly cramp, like she showed Min earlier with the knife. You try to touch yep. it and you're all cramped up, muscle cramps. You cannot physically function. Which and, gives them an idea. That's right. So Nynaeve, she takes the bracelet that she's wearing off and hangs it on the peg. And Sita's like, ah, just horror struck. Sita begs not to be left like this. But Egwene steps into the conversation. She has figured something out and she shares it with the rest of them. Sita won't dare cry out for help. No. She's just going to sit here hoping somebody eventually finds her who wants to keep the secret mm -hmm. that has been revealed here. And that is, seldom are women who can channel. Because the Adam does work only on women who can channel. That is confident fact and confirmed. It's been made to work that way. They know Soldam, after years working with Damani, develop an affinity mm -hmm. where they can like sense other women who can channel and such. But the reason is, just like in this world, the Westlands here, you have two type of women. The ones who have born with a spark. Like Egwene, like Elaine, like Nynaeve. Where no matter what, they're going to naturally touch the true source and start channeling the power. 
But there's a whole bunch of other women who that would never happen, but they can learn to channel. They can learn to touch the true source. There's, That's who the soldom are. So there's a term in our Discord here for those who just innately get it, and I would like to supply an alternate term. So it's sparkers is put here because they have the spark in them. Mm-hmm. I would like to, especially in light of the time of year it is in this country, uh, sparklers. Hmm. Okay. So the Sean Chan do have the ability, you know, to find the women who can, who are sparklers. Thank you very much. Who will channel naturally and they leash them. Mm-hmm. But in the same search, they also let all the other girls try on a bracelet to see if they see can, if they can be feel a anything, if they can sense anything. That means they can be taught to be sold on because the bracelet will work for them. Well, it turns out being taught to be sold on is the same thing as being taught to be demonic. Yes, this has been a, a massive reveal that Sita is completely in shock about. She had no idea that she actually could be collared and become a Demani. And this is terrifying, and she hopes no one will find it. And at that moment, Rena walks into the room, our favorite soldom. Not like no one would find it. She sees all of them in this tiny room, demands what's going on, and then she notices Egwene in a different dress, not wearing a collar. But Egwene is angry and thinking quickly. She pounces on her and wham, wham. You know, she takes the pitcher, you know, the one she once mm-hmm. thought to hit her with and then couldn't touch it. Well, she can hold it now mm-hmm. and she hits her right in the gut, bends her over, then grabs the collar that she had been wearing a moment ago, slaps it around Rena's neck. And then puts the bracelet on herself. And instantly starts torturing Rena. So this is cold. This is cold and horrible, but also highlights um, when people treat you inhumanly, you want to do the same back to them. Yep. Um, she is mercilessly, mercilessly making her twitch and s- not scream because she's holding her yeah. hand over her mouth. She would be screaming if Egwene let her. It's understandable and yet still not okay, Egwene. It's not okay. And uh, Nynaeve, you know, pulls her back and Egwene, yep, takes off the bracelet, dissolves into tears, yelling about how... They had hurt her again and again, and she hates them, and she hates how she couldn't stop them from making her do what they wanted. Mm-hmm. Those filthy hobbitses. Uh, Egwene, though, Stinking. pushes past this with Nynaeve's encouragement. And Egwene, she rejects the option to punish or kill them all out of revenge. She will not lower themselves to that. Instead, she lets Nynaeve take the second bracelet and put it on the peg, too. And we're going to leave them both here. No, there's two of you. Sita dissolves into tears while Rena just sits there with a shocked look of horror on her face as they exit the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now the girls quietly and coldly walk out of the building, no one bothering them, because Nynaeve is still dressed as a soldom. Once outside, Egwene says, okay, we need horses. I know where Bella is. There's a stable nearby. But Nynaeve says, nope, Bella, we have to leave her. We're leaving by ship. Okay. But then Min notices, um, there's no one around. The, sh- the street's empty. What What's going on? And then they see, coming up the street from the area of the harbor, a whole column of Shanshan soldiers marching seemingly right at them. Well, that's not great. And Min comments from the other direction. There's more soldiers also heading this way. Nynaeve's like, doesn't matter. We're still in disguise, basically. They're not here for us. We should be able to walk right past them. But Egwene is suffering from PTSD. She is not thinking straight. She's like, I will not be captured again. 
and uses the power in the ways she's been trained. But also the ways that she was told don't do that before she was trained to do Yeah, that's the former training. The more recent training says... Kill. Yes. And the ground beneath the soldiers erupts and men go flying. And she does it to both directions. And the soldiers that are still standing are scattering for safety. And Nynaeve's like, what are you doing? We are trying to stay undercover. Any Damani in the area know exactly what you just did. And sure enough, here comes a fireball over a building top. And they all scatter as it strikes the ground right where they were. Fireball is a great spell, but it hurts friendlies just as much as enemies. Indeed. As they kind of collect their senses, we're in Nynaeve's POV, and all she can see is Elaine. She's like, the others? But Elaine's like, no, she's pointing. They're They're over there. there. They're fine. So they're kind of separated. They've been scattered by the fireball. But they're all okay. And then more fireballs and lightning. And okay, and now they're just all running. And all Nynaeve can think is, oh, Doman, Bell Doman, he better be ready with that ship. <laughs> and they're all going to try to get to the harbor. Well, let's go find out. Is he ready with that ship? That's right. We shift back to Doman at the harbor. And he's looking up, seeing all these lightning bolts and stuff in the sky and hearing explosion. He's like, holy crap, what is going on? The docks, they're mostly cleared. There'd been some commotion just before this, and all the regular people had left. And there's just a couple of soldiers left, holding their swords and looking nervous. And so do his soldiers. They're like, uh, we should go. And one of them's got his axe about ready to chop one of the lines to the deck. And Doman's like, no, I made a promise. We are going to wait. I keep my word. And he's still very nervous, and he's watching things carefully, but he's going to try to wait as long as possible. And come on, girls, get here. Get here now. Get here. Hurry, please. And then we jump again. Jeffram Bornhald. Let's go with these children. He and his thousand or 950 are lined up all across in formation just outside Falme. They also see the lightning flashing over the city, including a flying creature. They see one now. Up oh, they're trying, up. Yeah, trying to escape the bolts. He just dismisses it as a storm. Says, hey, storm doesn't bother me. You know, if it starts pouring down on us, that'll be as hard for the Shanchen as it will for our, for my crew. So, whatever. You should also note, Jeff from Bornhold does not know a whole lot about storms. Even if he knew a whole lot about channeling. Because a whole bunch of men in plate armor <laughs> in an open field in the middle of a lightning storm is <laughs> not a real good smart, right? idea. But he dismisses this growing storm above Fallmate. He also dismisses Child Byar at this point. He says, all right, we are going in. There's nowhere else. This is where we're, there's clearly going to be a confrontation. I want you to pull away now. I want you to watch. Yep. Follow my orders. And the slow, steady progression of the White Cloaks How marching many? off. Book says 1,000. No, nah, it's 949. Nice. And it reminds me, Lord of the Rings again. The Rohirrim all lined up in that the horses all in a row. They, they had more than a thousand, but yeah. on Pelennor Fields, here they go. And this is the White Cloaks as well. Not quite as self-righteous. Well, no, plenty self-righteous, not quite as righteous. Hey, Anyways, okay. let's switch again. Back to Rand and the group. They have gotten out and, you know, they're trying to get away, but they haven't been able to escape the city because there's soldiers everywhere now. And they are hiding in an alley. Rand and Ingtar at one end of the alley. Okay. The other three at the other end. On both directions, there's groups of soldiers. So That's they're trapped great. in this alley right now. That is not great. On Ran and Ingtar's side, the, the troops seem to be coming right towards the entrance of the alley. 
What do we do? This doesn't look good. And what we see here is that uh, Rand is struggling because he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. It's like, he has this feeling, and this is what I said was going to come up when I talk yes. about the tripod. Except okay? you said that outside of recording. Yes. So now you've said you've said it, but you didn't actually so say it. So off air, before we got started, we were talking with the Discord, too, about uh, how there's a... Hey, question. How many times did the words <laughs> edit break end up actually in... Never. The po- Never. No? I edit out okay. edit break words. I'm now this curious. might still be in there because we're talking about it. Okay. There's this sense that, you know, there are people around Rand to whom he is connected and must be connected through the pattern, through the workings of the wheel, through the Taviriness. Sure. Right now, at this point, he feels like there are pieces of him, pieces of his life scattered around the city in danger. Egwene, she's one of those. But he feels there's others can't pinpoint others he, he doesn't know who or what exactly but he feels if any of them are destroyed his life will not be complete this is weird he does not know or understand why he feels this way but he's 100 percent that he's correct totally confident this is real this is a nexus event yes rand and ingtar then have an interaction and this is amazing and horrible and incredible all at the same time oh it's great I love it. Because Ingtar drops a truth to Rand. Yep. Remember, the other three are at the other end of the alley. Yep. It's just Ingtar and Rand here. Just the two of them together. And what do we learn? Well, Ingtar says, more or less, he's a dark friend. He never uses that term. No. And I don't think he sees himself that way. And he doesn't. But it's important to kind of, in my opinion, say that he says he is, not he was, because he doesn't see himself as being redeemed. Basically, he comes clean with the fact that all the way back in Faldara, he was the one who admitted this man who ended up being the one to shoot the arrow at the Amerlin or Rand. Ingtar doesn't even know which one was the target, but he let this guy in. Mm -hmm. And he did so as part of making a deal with forces of the shadow, agents of the shadow. It was good things to protect and ensure Shinar and other places. And really, he was doing it for good reasons, but terrible things. Ingtar had become convinced that resisting the Shadow was hopeless. As they continued to fight the fight against the forces of the Dark One, he was well aware that the rest of the world out there thought Trollocs mm-hmm. and Myrdral were myths. Fighting the good fight is all well and good, but it's not useful if it's pointless. So they're throwing their lives away for people who don't even recognize that anything is being done for them. And he's like, why? Especially since we can't win. And that's the key. He'd come to believe they couldn't win. But he's come to a point where he's had some realizations and needs to come clean about this. Yeah. Partly because, okay, so he made this deal believing that by working and doing something for the shadow, his people would be spared when the shadow finally wins. But now he has seen something different in Rand that's shifted his thoughts. Now, I think his thoughts had already shifted already. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a number of things that have happened. Particularly, he references the portal stone. Yes. The and grand flicker flicker over scene. Over and over and over. He had, before that time, become convinced that if he could regain the horn, that he could use that to manage 
to turn things around, to make things right, to take the heroes of the horn and go attack Shiogul. So basically, again, not a dark friend. No, he, but he, he had wanted been weak. to redeem he, the mistakes he had made. Yes, he had been weak. He had done something wrong. He knows it's wrong, and the horn was his chance to fix it. But now he's like, the portal stone showed him all these different lives where he managed to regain the horn, and he never fixes it. There's no way out. Anything he tried, he failed. And then he sees Rand, and we, we talked about it just a little bit ago, where Rand says the bit about the horn not even being worth it if he let, sacrifices mm-hmm. somebody like that. Basically showing a purity of soul. Yeah. Angtar's whole focus has been wrong. Rand, he doesn't care about the glory. He doesn't about care glory. about anything. It's not about winning. It's about doing the right thing. And caring about those that you actually love. And that causes him to say, I don't deserve the horn. I don't deserve a chance to do anything. You guys are the ones that need to get out of here. And I will do what I can now to make it possible. So he's looking at the alley. He's like, one guy could hold off 50 soldiers here. At least for a time. Rand's like, what? You don't have to do that. And that's where he went into his whole deal, explaining the the background. Yeah, whole spiel. Thank you. And uh, Huron then comes up saying, the soldiers are gone from the other end. We can go. And Ingtar's like, that's right. Go. And Rand doesn't try to talk Ingtar into coming with. He instead has a pretty powerful line here. Oh, yeah, it's great. Because Ingtar, he's committed. He's going to make a last stand here. And in that way, try to redeem himself. Make his life worth something at the end. Sacrificing for others. And Rand gives him an absolution. It says, the light shine on you, Lord Ingtar of House Shinoa. And may you shelter in the palm of the creator's hand. The last embrace of the mother welcome you home. What I love about this is Rand has paid attention enough to care and be accurate in that he's giving a redemptive, a absolution, as you say, but he's also doing it in a way that connects with Shinar and their culture. Yeah. That whole last embrace of the mother, that's Mm -hmm. their shtick. Oh, yeah. Huron has a jaw drop moment. Like, what? He's like, you're wishing him a good death. (laughs) And it's beautiful, but also like, Rand, good job with your lessons, man. Yeah. It's clearly meaningful to Ingtar. It's like a a weight lifts. And he almost smiles. And Rand senses, I see the Ingtar I haven't seen since back in Faldara taking a a mural out and letting me go after the people in in the dungeon. It's like, that's the real Ingtar back again. And he and Huron go, and that's where the chapter ends. And so that's where we more or less will end today. That's right. We will, of course, be moving into the spoiler zone again. Mm -hmm. In the spoiler room. I said spoiler zone. I mean, it's all (laughs) approximately the same. Twilight room, spoiler zone, same diff. But we're going to head off into the spoiler room in a moment. But before we do that, we want to thank all of you for being with us today. Uh, The spoiler room being for those who are not first-time readers. But uh, those of you that this is your first time around the Wheel of Time, your first turn of the wheel, <laughs> you don't want to stick <laughs> around for spoilers. You want to get out now. But before you do, we want to thank you for being with us. Please consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. Help people to consider, huh, we might want to check this out because it's got lots of five stars and good reviews. <laughs> 
You can also reach out to us directly. We love to hear from people who've listened and give us input and feedback on what we're hearing. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what you disagree mm -hmm. with. Tell us when we made you laugh. Any of the above. Yeah. Or all of them. <laughs> so you can write to us at fantasyfortheages at gmail.com. You can connect to us over social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter will be seen first. Facebook will be seen maybe once a week. And Instagram will be seen for booze. <laughs> All my drink recipes go up there, absolutely. And of course, Discord. If you're not familiar with it, Discord is a social media platform that is very different from the others because there are no ads. There's just a lot of great people getting together, talking about the things they love. So we have a Discord server. The invite link for that, as well as how to find us on social media and all, is included in the show notes for this episode. We welcome you to come join our Discord. Now, if you like what you're hearing and you want to support us further than just listening or reviewing, you can always go visit our Patreon page where you can financially support us and even gain some benefits. Yes, even for as little as a dollar a month, you can join us during our live recordings and be chatting your things in the midst of what we're talking about and enrich the content that ends up getting published. And it's just a lot of fun. Absolutely. That's right. So the link for our Patreon channel is there as well. We don't make any money off this podcast. That was never our goal, but we would not mind the financial support that helps us to pay our hosting fees and reimburse us eventually for these very expensive and fancy schmancy microphones. And one day. One day. All right. Anything else, Zach? I just want to thank everybody for listening and caution that those first-time listeners, readers, all of the above, should probably leave if they don't want things to be spoilered, because we're about to enter... The Spoiler Room. Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> Alright, rock, paper, scissors again. I win again! Two in a row, he's got I it I win today. again, Luz Theron. Eh, today. I'll get the last one. Oh, wait, is that already my spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what are we going to spoil today? Well, I want to talk to you about the fact that we left to Suldam. Yep, that was Collard, one of my things I was considering. Connected to those pegs. And that's going to be big. How so? Well, once upon a time, when these Adam were first invented. Okay how they all worked was known. Yeah. The information was somehow intentionally suppressed. So now in this day and age, the women do not realize that Soldom can also channel. Wait, you're telling me government suppressed information they don't want being spread? Uh, apparently that happens in all turnings of the wheel. Huh. Yeah. And uh, now it's going to be discovered, but it will not be common knowledge all over the place. Because the person who does discover and find these two is going to keep it secret. It's not good for the Shanchen culture if this becomes common knowledge. So not good things are necessarily going to happen to Rena and Sita. But they are not going to instantly cause a, a huge upturning in the culture mm -hmm. of Shanchen. Nope. The information is still going to be repressed. But due to it being suppressed. kept secret and the specific individuals who do know other important things will be available. Like? Like manipulating and using these individuals as part of a scheme in Abu Dhar. Oh, Abu Dhar. So that's another place you're going to learn eventually. It's the spoiler room. They already know that's about right. Abu Dhar. That's right. So we have not seen the last of Rena and Sita. 
that's not bad. Los Angeles now for uh, Abu Dhabi. It might be more San Diego, although I always pictured kind of New Orleans. I don't know. Maybe it's a uh, non-American Central. Maybe maybe it's somewhere in Europe. I don't know. Acapulco. That's not in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. So, what would you like to spoil? Um, I'm going to talk about that knife for a sec. Ah, yes. Um, so we do. haven't really seen the dagger used yet. This was a, a bit of a shock mm-hmm. that this happens in this what way. What a nasty, gnarly death. And I've kind of been dropping some of these hints here and there as we do things. And so one of our fun moments here with the dagger is mentioning we see what it does to a person. We will see what it does to a person again, but we're shortly to see Rand get injured in a way that will stick with him for the rest of his life in this body. And later on, Rand will get just a little nick. But due to extenuating circumstances... As in where the nick is. Exactly. Does not get quite the same result, even though it tries. And so this complete destruction, decay, that a little nick can cause shows the evil vileness that is Shatter Logoth and what is necessary to cleanse the male half of the power of the taint. A lot of deep stuff there. You spoil much bigger than I ever do. Well I just done. go for like well done. ones that are little things to big things because I don't get, I have such a hard time holding back during the episodes uh-huh. or at least during most of the episode. So I enjoy the spoiler. I have to admit, uh, I, I focus on what we're talking about during the episode and then we get to the end and I'm like, okay, now what would be good to spoil? I have to start thinking ahead of time. More I usually of what I have two or three picked out in yeah. case you pick one. I will have to do that too. All right. That's all I have. Got anything else, Seth? No, I'm good. All right. Thanks, everyone, for being here again, and we'll talk to you next time.